Good morning. Yeah, I'm Mike Mugford, and uh, I am the regional pastor for Northern California Churches of God, also Northern Nevada, uh, Hawaii, and Guam. (laughs) Yeah. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Good morning again. Are we ready? We're going to get into this now. Time to dig in, make yourself comfortable, do a little stretch. We're going to go about 30 minutes here. Uh, and we're on the scripture passage that we've, we've made it to now in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, where we're looking at the life of Jesus, uh, his coming. And Matthew really, again, wants us to know that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises in the scriptures of old that pointed to a coming one, a Messiah, who would come and set his people free, bring salvation with him, and usher in a new kingdom. And so we are in the beginnings of those stories that Matthew recorded for us. And so I wanna start here. I want you to picture yourself now. Picture yourself on a serene river bank. Now you expect the tranquil sounds of the river to enter your ears. Now imagine that river is the Jordan as it passes through the valley in the wilderness of Judea. And this river, the Jordan River, this is not a uh, a river that meanders through the countryside, but it's one that has repeated switchbacks as it makes its long journey to empty into the Dead Sea. And on this particular day, serenity and tranquility are not what you will find. Uh, Today, the familiar soundscape of the riverbank is concealed by a stirring crowd. It's bustling with the buzz of anticipation and the groans of spiritual hunger. In this arid Judean wilderness, the air is thick with expectancy. And a voice, a voice cuts through the noise of the moment, like one crying out in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. This man, John the Baptist, he speaks with conviction and authority like the prophets of old used to speak. Farmers and tax collectors and soldiers 
and Pharisees, people from all walks of life, have come to witness this radical preaching repentance at the river. Suddenly, the focus shifts, though, and all eyes dart to an unassuming figure of a man as he emerges from the crowd. We began our reading today with the words, then Jesus came, and now everything is different. Today, friends, we embark on a journey to the Jordan where we witness an extraordinary event, the baptism of Jesus, followed by an equally remarkable response of validation. This occasion holds profound significance, uh, serving as the gateway and the pattern for the Lord's earthly ministry and his most important achievement, the gift of righteousness for fallen, sin-stained humanity. So here we go. Our roadmap today shows us how Jesus' baptism, number one, identifies him with us. Number two was his anointing. And number three demonstrates the Christian life. We'll take those one at a time now. Identifies him with us. So maybe we don't feel the weight of how profound this moment is in scripture. So let's sit here for just a moment. We have been on the lookout for the Messiah. Jesus was introduced in the first chapters of Matthew, but as a newborn baby and a toddler, decades have passed since then. Decades. And the last two weeks, we hung out with a man named John who was sent to call people to reorient their lives around God for the reign of God's Messiah King is now beginning. That was his message. And so John, the messenger sent by God, is out in the wilderness preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he is baptizing, which is a symbol of purification. He's baptizing anyone who comes to the Jordan River. And these wilderness baptisms that John is performing at the Jordan River, this is where the people of Israel originally crossed to enter into the promised land all the way back in Joshua. And there the people were commanded to consecrate themselves in preparation for possessing the land that the Lord was giving them. And symbolically, this is demonstrated by them passing through the waters of the Jordan, like baptism, as they entered the land. That was in order to make ready a people to be God's special people in God's special place under God's rule. That God was making a people who would bless all nations of the earth. So John is in effect reenacting the passing through the waters of the Jordan, this time through baptism. And he is preparing a new people, a new humanity for the new covenant in Messiah, Jesus. But if we return to Matthew chapter three, what is most striking is that Jesus now enters the scene and he walks to the water's edge. He walks to the water's edge and maybe to his right is a tax collector and maybe to his left, a Pharisee. And in the water before him, a prostitute. 
and a soldier. And they too have come to be baptized. And what does he say? I too must enter these waters. And how does John react? No, surely not. You don't need my water baptism. I need your spirit and fire baptism. But Matthew wants us to see how Jesus is fulfilling a very special theme in the Bible. And that is that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, would be a servant who gives himself for others. In the book of Isaiah, we read these words. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear the iniquities He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. See, Jesus could have shown up at the bank of the water and he could have hopped in the water right next to John and said, repent, you sinners, Repent, get in the water, you need cleaning. I'm already clean. I'm already pure. Y'all need this. He could have followed the typical pattern of the day for baptism, which was simply saying, hey you, water's over there, clean yourself. Standing on the dry shore, but instead Jesus enters the water of the sinners. He is affirming his solidarity with us in his baptism. He is representing us in a priestly manner and pointing us to our greatest need. That we need purification for the forgiveness of our sins and salvation. See, in his life, Jesus endured hardships and temptations not merely to provide us a moral example on how to respond to all of them, but also to begin renewing and sanctifying our very humanity. Remember, we talked at the beginning that Christ came, fully human, fully God. And so as he endures hardships and temptations, and he acts and reacts to them in a way that is pleasing to God, He is not simply providing us a moral example, but he is beginning to renew and sanctify humanity itself. He faced it all so that he could respond in God's perfect wisdom so much differently than we ever could, allowing us to regain our connection to the divine through our union with Christ. We were originally made in the image of God, right? And Jesus came to restore our former glory. Are you a sinner in need of restoration? 
Well, in Jesus and in his baptism, he demonstrated humility and solidarity with you. He knows you and he knows more than you know your greatest need. To the fathers in this room, since this is the special day for you, do you know that your children are sinners just like you? In what way do you show solidarity and humility with them even in their sinfulness? Or do you take the posture of superiority over them? This is not the way of Christ. Christ fulfilled the role of a servant by representing and meeting the greatest needs of others. Though he was without sin, he identified with humanity awash in sin's effects, and he endured it all for our sake. He got in the water. So first, his baptism identifies him with us. Number two, his baptism was his anointing. So the title Messiah and Christ, uh, we use them interchangeably. They're the same, and they mean anointed one. So if you say Messiah, Christ, or anointed one, you're saying the same thing. But if you know the Gospels and the Gospel writers, you will notice something that is missing in the Gospels. And, And unlike King David or King Saul, King Jesus doesn't have an anointing ceremony like them. Sure, a woman anoints him in Bethany in preparation for his death, but he does not have that anointing ceremony marking him as king. So how can Jesus be the Messiah king, the anointed one, but never have that moment like David had or Saul? See, kings or high priests were anointed with oil, and the oil symbolized the life and the spirit of God marking a particular person who would then act as a bridge between heaven and earth. They would fulfill their calling when they faithfully partnered with God under the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to restore God's life to humanity and to creation. Only when they were faithfully partnering with God under the enablement of the Spirit and restoring God's life and humanity were they being faithful to their calling as the anointed one. That's what they were set apart for. That's what they were anointed for. All of this, this anointing idea of the kings and the high priests of old, all of this was actually a recall of the original anointing ceremony, the original life-giving anointing ceremony of the Garden of Eden where God made waters to come on the dry land in order to bring forth life. And then he crafted dust into the likeness of a man. And he breathed his spirit into his likeness. And the dirt came to life and was Adam. And so anointing oil, which is made of this life liquid of the olive, and is infused with the smell of a variety of fragrant plants, is recalling the Garden of Eden and that first original life-giving ceremony where God anointed the world and called forth life. And the oil came to symbolize that concentrated life and spirit of God when it was poured over a man. 
that he was being renewed or remade to bring God's life back to earth. That was the call of the, the, the kings. That was the call of the high priest. So what is actually going on then at the baptism of Jesus? In verse 16 of, of chapter three, when Jesus was baptized, he went immediately up from the water and the heavens suddenly opened for him and then he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Well, unlike those prominent figures of the Old Testament who were anointed with oil to merely symbolize the life and spirit of God, empowering them for their calling, Jesus has the ultimate anointing ceremony right here. The actual spirit of God descends like a dove and comes to rest on Christ and the voice of the father of life booms. That's my son. I'm well pleased. What did God say at the original anointing life ceremony? Didn't he say this is very good? And here, I am well pleased. The biblical writers want us to see Jesus receiving the anointing for his special calling that he will be the ultimate bridge between heaven and earth and all that is taking place in Christ's baptism. In his humility and solidarity with humanity, Jesus receives validation for his mission and call. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all there at the party. And they're acting in perfect love and unity to accomplish this extraordinary feat on behalf of us. What a God we serve. What a God who would do that. True life, my friends, is not found in yourself. It's not something that we create on our own. True life, the recreating life, is only something we receive. It is when God, the author of life, declares, I'm well pleased. God's assessment is the final and true assessment. Not yours and not someone else's. And in this event, we see God's validation, his affirmation of Christ and his calling. And this begins Jesus' public ministry right here. Launches him out into a life that will ultimately culminate in his enthronement on the cross and his triumph over death in his resurrection. And so that brings us to number three. Number three, which is that Jesus' baptism demonstrates for us the Christian life. Okay, so how does Jesus' baptism demonstrate the Christian life? He, Christ, he had to wait through great suffering and trial before he could experience exaltation and fulfillment of his mission, right? This baptism is just the beginning. It's the start of a life of suffering and trial. Jesus' baptism is identifying him with humanity 
and identifying him with humanity in all of their brokenness and pain. But before we see exalted Christ enthroned eternal, we will see Christ subjected to all the ugliness and pain and suffering of the human experience. More so, the most evil hearts will be turned against him, opposing him and even plotting his murder. We will not see the fullness of his glory until he has first been enthroned on the cross. Christ, in his death and resurrection, reverses the curse of sin and opens the door for many sons and daughters from every tribe and nation to experience life in God. And with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we discover another remarkable reality. And that is everyone who repents and believes in Christ freely receives the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes to them and upon them. See, a Christian is what? A little Christ? A little anointed one. And as with Christ, so it will be with the Christian life. To be an anointed one of Christ with his spirit is to endure suffering just like Christ. It is a trial of our allegiance and it is a trial of our faithful love for God that we would walk through this life enduring suffering like Christ. It is the mark of the called out ones that they would be anointed with God's spirit and then led through the fire and their allegiance and their trust put on display. Why? Because the suffering of the anointed ones bears witness to the suffering of Christ. And the suffering of Christ is the foundation of our salvation. Now listen to these, wall, these words that Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 12. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12 reads, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but is for life in you. Do you see what Paul's saying? He's being beaten. He's being beleaguered. It is a picture of Jesus' dying on the cross. It is a picture of his endurance and perseverance and it's a portrait of his resurrected reality of Jesus. Over and over on display in his body, the Christian's suffering and sanctification are designed to be walking advertisements for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How we suffer matters. 
And Jesus in this baptism gets down into the water with humanity. He didn't need the bath. He didn't need cleansing. He didn't need purification. The perfect son of God got in the water, the dirty water. I mean, it was running, sure, but right next to the person upstream, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you have kids, you know what that means if you're downstream from them. <laughs> The perfect son of God is identifying with humanity and he's beginning to show that he will have to walk through things. He will have to carry the weight and the burden, the suffering, the pain, the sickness, the illness, the anxiety, the depression. He will carry that for us. But to walk in line with Christ, to follow Christ, means to walk as he walked, which means so will we. But not alone, because we're anointed, little anointed ones. We have received the spirit of God to help us bear up under, under the weight. The spirit of God is all about the glory of Jesus. The Spirit of God is all about the glory of Jesus and he finds every way possible to glorify Jesus in us, in our suffering, in how we endure trial, in how we endure our marriage, in how we endure our families and the pains of having a family. It, you know, we celebrate Father's Day and Mother's Day. Woohoo, right? It ain't easy. But... <laughs> And all I get is an ice cream sandwich. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like, it's not easy. We can smile on a day and ignore all that other stuff, but some of you guys have already launched your kids, and you know. It's like, I don't know that it gets any easier. My parents say it doesn't. Christ carried all of that for us, gave us the Spirit, anointing us, so that we will follow in the steps We oftentimes deceive ourselves to think our life is going to be good because Christ's life was a life of suffering and pain. <laughs> no one is greater than their master. In closing, I, I want to say this and I want to remind, I want to say to you to remind yourself a lot of the Christian life is for just remembering. <laughs> just remember. And so remind yourself of the suffering of Christ as the foundation of your salvation. Find hope and assurance. Find hope and assurance in the fact that Jesus bore your sins and conquered death. Trust in his redemptive work. Trust in his redemptive work that is not just about some abstract idea that someday I'll go to heaven, but that God wants to redeem all things. He wants to make all things new. He wants to restore relationships. He wants to mend brokenness. He wants to heal marriages. He wants to restore relationships between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. This is part of the plan to restore and make new all things. Trust in his redemptive work 
and allow it to anchor your faith, especially if you are in the midst of suffering and trial. Remember your allegiance and your faithful love for God is being examined. It's being watched and displayed. And if you've never before received the life and spirit of God through Christ's work, then I want to encourage you to put your trust in him today. Renounce your self-centered life and reorient your life around Christ. Receive his love and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit so that you might live out the rest of your days announcing the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. This is an offer to you today if you have never before received him. I would encourage you not to leave without having confronted that question. Why not? Look what he has done. Will you join me in prayer as we close? Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, in Christ, that he bent down, he stooped down he condescended to our level so that he might experience all that we experience in this life because he would represent before you, Father, the, the life of sinful humanity and he would bear our sins and take our shame and our pain and our sickness upon himself so that you might grant to us through repentance and faith the free gift of salvation Lord, I thank you so much that we can look and we can remember this extraordinary event and we can see the love and the glory of our God displayed in it. I pray that each, each uh, blood-bought, spirit-filled believer in this room would feel the warmth of the love of Jesus Christ today as they contemplate and remember the work Christ did. And I pray for those who have yet to put their hope and faith in you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would stir, that you would draw, that you would beckon. And that faith would arise. That they might enter into this life from the author of life, our God. In Jesus' name.